Welcome to Horror Nights in Podcasts with me, your host, Crystal, where I talk about anything and all horror. So on this podcast, I give you my honest and horrific opinion on a different horror movie every week. I drop spoilers. I never lie. I always keep it real. Sometimes I do specials and sometimes I have co-hosts. So to keep up with all things horror and the Horror Nights in Podcasts, please join my Twitter horror family by following me at Us. You can also follow me on Instagram at Horror Nights in Podcast, and I also have a Tumblr as well under the same name, so it's going to be at Horror Nights in Podcast. We have a lot of fun over there. I love interacting and chatting with you guys, so please definitely join in, um, and be sure to like, subscribe, comment, um, follow my podcast on whatever app you're using um, to listen to me right now. Obviously, I am on iTunes and SoundCloud, um, so So just a quick um, hello, and we're going to do a little bit of um, catching up. If you guys follow me on Twitter, you guys know I'm doing a giveaway currently. I'm doing it on a... um On the it... Hold on. Give me a second. Let me not mess this up. Let me actually pay attention and do this the right way. Um... It's to win the Funko Pop It featuring Pennywise with a severed arm. Um, All you guys have to do is like, retweet, tell me your favorite It character and why, and live in the United States. The contest will be over um, this upcoming Thursday, May 30th at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So I don't have a ton of entries on this yet, which is totally fine. I'm not really that upset about it Um, because last time I did a giveaway there was like 800 entries and I it took me so long to figure out like who I wanted to pick so this one only has about like 37 at this moment in time Um, so it is currently Memorial Day Um, happy Memorial Day to um, anyone of you Um, so also apologies. I literally just got home from a really long weekend away. So my cat is very excited to see me. So I'm trying to get her to stop running around. So if you hear in the background, she's literally just my co-host now, guys, because every single time I sit down and, and try and record a podcast, she's just right there with me. So yeah, up oh, and she just knocked over my drink. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that, guys. But I mean... This is my podcast, so this is what happens. I'm just going to say that Roxy, my cat, is my co-host, and um, she's going to give her honest and horrific opinion, too. (laughs) So, um, as I was saying, happy Memorial Day to everybody. Hope you guys are enjoying your three-day weekend. Um, If you have a job that gives you a three-day weekend, um, if you are working today, then I hope you are making, like, double time or time and a half or something. Um, If not, then it's just a normal happy Monday to everybody. Um, I obviously have off work today. Um, So yeah, happy Memorial Day, guys. And I'm not really, I really, you know, literally just rolled into my house and fed Roxy and now I'm sitting down and making this podcast. Um, So 
Obviously, you guys know um, the movie that we were doing this week. We are going to be discussing The Babysitter. So I'm going to start by giving you the Rotten Tomatoes IMDb reading, a short synopsis, and a lengthy dissection and discussion of the plot characters and ending with my overall honest and horrific opinion. So definitely stick around until the end. Um, I am going to go ahead and check my iTunes. Um, and also, I just want to... Um, talk about you know the reviews and stuff and how I really appreciate when you guys do um you know rate and review doesn't look like I have any new ones um so yeah if you haven't already uh if you listen to me on iTunes and you haven't um left me a rating or review please do so um it makes my podcast easier for other people to find especially people who love horror movies and also if you have a friend or family members somebody that loves horror definitely recommend my podcast to them because i love um interacting with the new listeners and talking to you guys and um yeah i love podcasting this is something that i've been doing for a little over six months now and it really just is part of my like regular weekly routine. I really look forward to doing this. I have to say thank you also to a few people on Twitter. Um, they said some really nice things this week. So I'm just going to give them a quick shout out. Um, so let me just go back into my Twitter since I literally plan nothing and I don't have... Okay. So Dan Curley, um, I want to shout out to you. He's at CurleyMania7115. Uh, he said, be sure to visit... Crystal's awesome podcast. She really reminds me of John and Kimberly over at um, um, Nightmare on Film Street podcast. A deep knowledge and horror dedication and passion. I like Kimberly, John, and Crystal. Big fan. Thank you so much, Dan. That really means a lot to be compared to um, John and Kimberly over at um, the uh, Nightmare on Film Street. I've been listening to those guys for so long, um, and it would be obviously fantastic if I could be on the same playing field as them but you know in due time I'm hoping um so I also have um another shout out for the civil gore podcast um they did a little shout out for me um so thank you for that give these ladies a listen uh great unique perspectives on horror if you guys uh love horror movie podcasts obviously you must um, because you're listening to my podcast, definitely go check out the civil gore podcast. Those guys are great too. Um, and I also want to give a shout out to October pod. Um, they're at October pod VHS. Um, they tweeted me, just listen to Horror Daddies R Us number 22, in which Crystal spoke about one of my favorite recent horror films based on a cracking good novel, The Ritual, a fun horror pod with warm and inviting hosts. Enjoy the opening self-help discussion. Check it out. So <laughs> thank you so much for that. I thought I had another one, but I don't think so. So yeah, I definitely felt the love this week on Twitter. Thank you guys so much for that. It really does mean a lot to me when I you know, I'm scrolling on my Twitter and then I get a notification from, you know, somebody who's listened and, um, you know, they, they just write nice encouraging words. And obviously I don't ask for that. I love when you guys do that. Um, so thank you so much for that. I don't think I really have a chit chat with Crystal today other than the fact that, um, you know, just be thankful for everything that you have in your life. Like I'm super thankful today that I had, um, the weekend to spend with, with Chris, who is my significant other. Um, we only get to see each other, um, about once a week, only on Saturdays. Um, 
just because we live like 45 minutes away from each other. So I am really thankful that we got to spend a few days together. Um, and you know, just relaxing. So always remember just, you know, take care of yourself, be thankful for everything that you have. Um, definitely make sure you put yourself first. And, um, as I said in last week's episode, if you need to just cancel plans or say no to somebody, make sure you do it. Because at the end of the day, the only person you really have to make sure that you take care of is yourself. Um, I mean, unless you have like kids and stuff, that's completely different. But, you know, I'm, I'm talking like mentally, physically, emotionally, all the above. Make sure you take care of yourself, guys. Um, and um, yeah, I'm just thankful that it was a really nice weekend weather-wise. Um, so Chris is actually super into cars. And uh, he loves anything that has to do with building cars. Um, he's more into like the racing drifting, not so much like the racing NASCAR. Um, so we went to an event that was over in New Jersey. Um, and it's basically just like a car drift show. So that's really cool because I've never got to, I've never seen anything like that. So if you guys are car fans, um, that's cool because I uh, have a new appreciation for um, people that build their cars just because there's so much work and the knowledge that goes into it. It's just really cool. So shout out if you guys enjoy cars. Um, Chris actually built his Nissan. He bought a Nissan Silvia, I believe. And um, yeah, he rebuilt the engine and everything. So I don't, I don't know what year it is. It definitely is an older one. Um, but it is really cool to see him like get compliments on it. So yeah, if you guys are into cars, that's awesome. I think it's such a cool knowledge and skill to have. Um, it's something that he really enjoys doing and something that I love that he does because um, that's his passion. Um, so just like my passion is podcasting and hanging with you guys, um, his passion is cars and, you know, I'm always down to learn about new things. So yeah, make sure you guys take care of yourself. Be thankful every single day that you wake up and, you know, just always take time for yourself. There's a big lesson that I learned as I'm getting older is that as, as you know, I get older, I just need more alone time and I need to make sure that I really recharge my batteries because it's something that's really important. If you're always go, 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 eventually you're just going to, you know, wear yourself down and then unfortunately take it out on the people around you. So, you know, just stay positive. So let's get into the podcast. As you guys know, we are going to be discussing the babysitter. It is a Netflix original film. I believe it was uh, released 2017. Let me get my notes up before I mess anything up. So I actually watched this movie for the first time a while ago. Um, but yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit. So The Babysitter, Rotten Tomatoes gave this movie a 70%. Um, IMDb gave this movie a 6.3 out of 10. Um, the events of one evening take an unexpected turn for the worst for a young boy trying to spy on his babysitter. Um, so the first time I watched this movie was actually at the gym, and I remember wondering what the people around me thought, but then I remember I don't really care what people think about me, so I enjoyed the movie on my treadmill. <laughs> uh, I love this movie the first time I saw it, so I knew I had to definitely delve into it for a podcast. This is actually the last movie for May Monster Movie Month. I hope you guys enjoyed it just as mu much as I did. Um, if you know, we did Jaws, The Ritual, The Descent, and now, of course, we're doing The Babysitter. So if you haven't checked out any of those previous uh, shows, definitely go do so now. Well, listen to this one first and then go back, especially if you're into monsters. So you guys, 
Um, and I, and I, as I said in the beginning, I haven't gotten an iTunes review since March 20th. It is now May. I know you're all out there. So I'm challenging you to post a review and get one person to listen to my podcast and then go tweet me and tell me that you did that. <laughs> um, I did hit over 4,000 plays on SoundCloud. So thank you so much for that. Uh, that's really a big thing for me. Um, I know there's other podcasts out there that move a lot faster than me, have more followers, but I never compare myself to anybody else. The only person, the only person I compare myself to is the person I was yesterday. So don't forget that. That's another little chit chat with Crystal. Don't ever compare yourself to anybody else because the only person you should be competing with is the person you are yesterday. Um, so yes, once again, thank you so much for that. I really appreciate that. Um, so the movie opens up and we are introduced to Cole at school. He's getting a shot. We see that he is totally wigged out by needles and is trying to talk his way out of getting one. The nurse, Barry, is actually hilarious and is telling Cole to take a shot just like he takes some ass. <laughs> so we can immediately tell that Cole is a little bit of an outcast. He gets bullied and I'm getting a lot of like Breakfast Club 80s movies vibes which I of course love even his friend Melanie at school has like a side pony when we're first introduced to her Melanie's dad even comes and picks her up in a classic car that was popular in the 80s aka his high school dream car um there's just so much comic relief in this movie and I won't do it justice so definitely just go watch this movie if you haven't seen it yet after you're done with the podcast of course um it reminds me a little bit of like Happy Death Day mixed with like 80s teen movies mixed with like Zombie Land. Um, so now we have Cole. He's on his way home and he gets stopped by another set of bullies on bikes. Um, the lead bully's name is Jeremy. Uh, he starts by asking Cole if his balls dropped yet, then proceeds to tell Cole that he he hooked up with the sophomore Shelly McIntyre, who apparently is a sophomore. We also learn um, that Jeremy is 14 years old, which obviously means that he's a freshman in high school. So I was under the impression that Cole was actually 14, but later on in the movie we find out he's only 12. Um, Jeremy then gets annoyed with Cole and pushes him to the ground. Um, I also quickly paused it. I saw that he's wearing a pin that said Free Free Pluto, Pluto which I truly loved because I um, kind of reminds me of my sister a little bit. I'm pretty sure she had a Free Pluto pin too. We are then introduced to the ultimate hot babysitter that every 12 to 14-year-old dreams about, um, and her name is B. She's beautiful, blonde, and she sticks up for Cole. We also have this really dope song that plays throughout the movie called Boys Want to Be Here by Peaches, which if you go watch the video, it reminds me of 80s rock and roll. Um, so I really do like that Um this the music in this in this movie was so so good. Um, so after um, B kind of tells off the the bullies, um, we can tell her and Cole have a pretty tight bond. Um, she can tell when he's lying too because he looks away. She then gives him some advice on how to deal with the bullies. You punch them in the dick, and if they're chasing you, you wait until they almost got you. You drop like a bag of rocks, and when they trip over you on the ground, you kick them in the dick. So we also have to assume she has been babysitting Cole probably most of his kid life because they have inside jokes like their E.T. fingers. Um, we also see that she is definitely awakened to sexuality when she catches him staring at her boobs. Um, she then mentions that she will be babysitting him the next night. She basically says, you, me, party. Um, we also see that Melanie 
Um, his little friend from school lives across the street from them and is outside with her dad as he washes his car. We are then introduced to Cole's mom, who's in the crawl space under their house, literally setting traps for rats. And we see these big ass tarantulas and she seems totally unbothered. Um, to which Cole says, mom, how can you go under there? There's spiders under there. Um, he then asks his mom if she thinks he's a pussy to which he responds pretty much. Yes, but in a loving mothering way. Um, he then proceeds to tell his mom that he knows pussy means vagina and that he isn't retarded to which she gets upset that he says the R word, which is great. And also love that for her. Cause she's like smacks him in the head with something. And she goes, don't ever use that word. Um, So the next scene, we get Cole learning how to drive from his dad, but he doesn't get too far because he is indeed a pussy and he's psyching himself out. Uh, The next scene, we get Cole saying goodnight to his parents and we see his dad is binging the show Mad Men. I actually watched the first season and stopped because I have terrible ADD and cannot just sit and focus on a show because I'll miss all the details, Um, which is why I watch the same shit over and over again and yeah it's pretty much just reality tv and horror movies (laughs) um his dad then tells him that the show is very dense and they'll binge watch it when he gets older his mom then asks cole to pick up the toys in the hallway to which cole picks one up and says much cleaner we then get an epic time lapse of cole actually binging madman in his bedroom and then just as the sun is rising we hear him say who cares (laughs) so the next scene we get cole using a butcher knife to fix one of his toy cars and his dad stops him his dad then takes the knife and puts it into the dishwasher so the next scene we have melanie and cole on the bus to school and they're discussing his parents hotel nights aka they leave cole with b to go to their hotel and bang because apparently they're having a little bit of marital problems and they're probably trying to spice it up uh, Melly then explains how B probably is banging dudes while Cole is asleep. She then goes, I dare you to stay up tonight. You'll see. There's also this really cool effect of the kids um, behind them moving in slow motion, but Cole and Melanie are normal speed. So I really dug that and I didn't notice it the first time I watched it, probably because I was on the treadmill. But <laughs> um, So in the next scene, we see Cole is behind a chain link fence watching B leave a convenience store with a noodle dorky looking guy and Cole obviously is watching them. We can tell she's being a little flirty with him, but the scene ends with Cole getting hit in the head with a soccer ball and somebody calling him a pussy. So in the next scene, we get a first person perspective of what Cole sees. His parents are basically getting ready to leave for their hotel trip. B's arriving. Mom goes through the rules, which are no violent movies, no junk food and in bed by 10. Um, that's great. That's literally my rules. Minus, you know, I'm always in bed by 10 minus the first two. <laughs> um, his parents are a little controlling, but Cole, Cole is obviously a single child. So maybe that's how it is. Um, maybe that's just how it be sometimes. I don't know. I'm the oldest of four. So I don't know. Protective parents. I also wasn't the greatest kid when I was younger. So my parents probably just fucking hated me. Anyway, shout out to my parents. Hey, Michael and Jennifer. <laughs> Um, so then we get a full, we get a really fun montage of Cole and B dancing around the living room, um, swimming, they're making pizza. Um, sorry, my f- computer is not on do not disturb Etsy. I don't care about your emails anyway. Um, so we get the full montage of, uh, Cole and B dancing around the living room, swimming, making homemade pizza. They then do this fun game where B um, is about to pick an intergalactic team versus dream team versus the big bad. Um, 
So it's kind of like the thing they do. They pick like just a bunch of different uh, characters from like sci-fi movies and, um, it's like they're, like I said, intergalactic dream team versus the big bad. They then watch a movie on a projector screen outside, and there's like this really cool mist around them, but also a really cool and really like date goals. Like I would totally love to do that. Um, B then asks Cole about Melanie across the street, and she kind of like teases him about it. She then realizes it's super late and entices Cole to go to sleep with a double shot of whiskey or a dark liquor. Um, He then asks her to do one with him. When she is gone, he dumps his shot into the plant. Uh, The next scene, Cole is is in bed and, like, on FaceTime with Melanie, and they're talking about what B is going to do once he falls asleep. He then hears footsteps, hangs up on Melanie, and turns to see B opening the door to check on him. He is then faking that he is tired, and she comes in and she sits on his bed. They then have a little heart-to-heart, and Cole is thanking B for treating him like a normal human being because, obviously, we can tell his day-to-day life, everybody is kind of picking on him all the time. Um, we then get a little time lapse and we see that it's now 20 minutes to midnight and Cole hears the doorbell ring from his bedroom. He's texting Melanie that there's a group of people there and to which she says, orgy. Cole then says, orgy? And then he Googles it and obviously we can, he pretty much can figure it out. Um, Cole then sneaks out of his room to spy on B and the new arrivals. He then sees a group of teens, including B and the noodle boy she was with earlier. We are introduced to Max. Allison, John, Sonia, and Samuel, a.k.a. the one from earlier. Max is a stereotypical jock. Allison is a stereotypical cheerleader. John is the token black guy. And Sonia is the angsty goth teen. They are playing spin the bottle, truth or dare version. So the bottle lands on B, and Max dares her to kiss everyone in the room. B then starts kissing everyone, including the girls and, of course, the noodle boy. It's obvious noodle boy Sam is uncomfortable, but B helps him calm down and tells him to relax. She then kisses him, pulls back, and then drives two big-ass knives into his head, and we all get a what-the-fuck moment. She then tells noodle boy that he is helping to fulfill a great purpose. Um, know this to which he says, I don't want to fulfill a great purpose. And then he dies. The rest of the group then grab two chalices and put it into the wounds. The blood starts pouring out and noodle boy is now dead. We then get a little comic relief when the blood sprays all over John. B then tells John to chill out and reminds him that he signed up for platinum. She then answers the question of why this is all happening. They're dealing with the devil, a.k.a. she is the monster of the movie as well as the devil. Um, So we can assume that the reason they're making the deals with the devil is so they can get their shit to come true. Meanwhile, Cole is freaking the fuck out from upstairs. So we get some more awesome one-liners from the group about John looking like a black carry because he's covered in blood. Allison looking like a big bird sidekick because she's in her yellow cheerleading outfit. And Max... He's playing with dead sacrificial Sam. B then tells Sonia to grab the cases and inside is the verses inside is the verses to the devil. Um, so basically it's like these cases and inside this particular case is a book. Um, and inside the book is obviously verses that they have to say. B then says, all right, babes, let's get started. Then we can get the blood of the innocent upstairs, a.k.a. Cole. Cole hearing this freaks out and runs through his bedroom, calls 911. The operator then tells him to stay hidden, but 
Cole says he needs to protect himself, hangs up, and grabs a pocket knife. But before he can escape, he hears voices, like, outside of his bedroom. He then jumps back into bed and pretends he is asleep as the group comes in. We then learn that B actually drugged him, a.k.a. she put, like, sleeping pills inside his double shot of whiskey. Um, so then Sonia takes out a needle to which Cole obviously is freaking out because in the beginning of the movie, we can see that Cole is petrified of needles. Um, Max then makes a comment about getting the blood an easier way, but B says she doesn't want to, um, she doesn't want to go get another innocent kid that they'll need, that they need top shelf pure shit for their deal to work. B then finds the vein. And Cole, becoming the badass that he always was, takes the needle like a boss. Doesn't flinch. He kind of makes a little bit of a face, but his face is, like, turned away from everybody. Um, As soon as they are out of his room, he jumps up. He starts to make a rope of the blankets to get out of the window. But before he can go anywhere, B is standing behind him, and then he passes out. He then comes to, and we see he is surrounded by the group. And Max has his shirt off, to which to which Cole says, why is he shirtless? <laughs> B then explains that he fainted after she took his blood and to eat a cookie. She said she felt something was off and crouched behind his door and watched him make the rope out of the sheets before he fainted. Sonia then force feeds Cole this cookie. B then asks Cole why he wasn't asleep, to which he says he wanted to go smoke pot in the woods, to which the others say, you weren't going to share with your boy? I wanted to get high. (laughs) Cole then tells B that he doesn't like alcohol and how he took it to look cool in front of her. We then find out that Cole is actually 12, as I had mentioned earlier, which I'm still confused about because his dad was teaching him how to drive. Um, But whatever, teach his own. I didn't get taught to drive until I was like 17. Um, Cole then flicks open his pocket watch and is pretty brave as he continues to talk to B and he's cutting the rope um, that's tying his hands together. Allison then calls Cole out um, that there's a mirror right behind him and they can all see him cutting the rope. He then responds by cutting it faster. So Allison then calls him a determined little fucker. He then tries to convince the group that he won't tell anybody that he knows they needed his blood to have an orgy. Obviously, we know that he's lying, but it's pretty slick on his part. But right as Sonia is about to untie Cole, the cops show, and they all start freaking out. Cole then screams for help. Matt kicks him in the throat, which causes him to fall over. The cops bust through the door. Mac then th- Max then throws a fire poker at the one cop, and it goes through his eye. The cop then accidentally shoots his gun and hits Allison right in the boob. Um, the other cop is freaking out, but before anything can happen, B comes behind him and slices his neck, to which all the blood spurts out onto John again. Uh, the cop with the poker in his face is still alive, so Mac goes over... Max goes over um, and rips the poker out of his eye, and half the cop's head is now on the ground. Safe to say, he is now dead. John, who is by far the funniest person in this movie, says, Man, three out of four people got STDs. I got two people's blood on me. You do the math. I got AIDS, man. That's my impersonation of John, and I hope that you enjoyed it. I am here all week. Just kidding, that was terrible. The cops walkie then goes off and dispatch wants to know the status. Apparently Cole knows cop code, so B asks him what um, code for all clear means, to which Cole says 1053, but he looked away, so B knows that he's lying. He then gives them the right code, and we hear 
We then hear Allison screaming because she got shot in the boob. Um, Sonia then pushes into the bullet hole and says she's going to bleed out, to which Allison says, can't we just stick a tampon in it? So while the group is going, is debating back and forth uh, about motorboating her flat boobs, Cole escapes. So John is now chasing Cole up the stairs. Cole then turns pushes him, he falls back, slips on Cole's toy race car, flies over the balcony, hits his head on the banister, and then falls into a pointy ward that just so happened to be at the bottom of the stairs. So now that John is dead, shirtless Jock Max is on his way to kill Cole. Cole then uses his rope sheet and is just about to escape when Max starts pulling him back up into the window. We then hear a little tug of war, and then we hear the sheet rip. Cole then falls to the ground, gets up, and starts running, and we see him go into the garage with Max on his tail. Cole is able to escape for a minute before we get a jump scare of Sacrificial Sam, who's now in the garage. Um, Cole then grabs bug spray, a blanket, a lighter, and a power drill, and a firework called the Fat Dragon. We then see him take all his stuff and go ahead into the crawl space under the house with all the spiders. He then goes all the way to the other side of the house and throws the blanket over himself. We then see Sonia's feet at the entrance of the crawl space. We now see her in the crawl space too with a flashlight slowly making her way to Cole. She then reaches Cole and says, good boy, and starts petting a big-ass spider, which is crawling on Cole's face. Now remember, he's got the blanket over him, so it's not directly on his face. Maxon calls for Sonia. She goes to turn back, but before she can make it, Cole flicks the spider off and it lands on a rat trap. The rat trap slaps and Sonia turns back and says, hi, Cole. She then turns, she then pulls out a knife while Cole is trying to light the firework. The firework lights, but just misses her. She leans back and her hands are actually caught in two more rat traps to which she just says, my nails. Cole then is able to get out of the crawl space, drills the cover back on. She is now at the entrance and is poking her knife through the grates and is telling him she's going to do a self-human centipede and sew his mouth to his ass. Shout out to Tom Six. <laughs> um, Cole then sprays her with bug spray and the firework goes off and obviously now she's dead. Um, now we have just Max, half of Allison and B left. Max then comes out of the dark and he's clapping. He then asks how he blew up Sonia and Cole says, firework. Max then asks if he wants a head start, to which Cole says, ah, come on, no, you're the quarterback, and then he takes off. We then get a flashback of B telling Cole what to do with the bullies, so Cole drops Max trips, kicks Max in the dick, but he misses. Max then gets up and starts choking Cole. We then hear eggs hitting the house, and of course, it's Jeremy, the his other bully who banged the sophomore. Max then puts down Cole and is basically trying to teach him a lesson about standing up to the bullies. He's saying, you know, this is your house. You got to defend your house and defend yourself. He then tells Cole to get out there and crush that bitch, kisses him on the forehead, and pushes him out to confront Jeremy. Cole then tries to kick Jeremy, but Jeremy punches him in the face instead. So then Cole is trying to reason with him, but Jeremy don't give a fuck. He's telling him he has... So basically Cole is like, there's dead bodies in the house. They killed the cops. So Jeremy then tells him he's going to help him, but then decides to smash an egg on his face instead and then he kind of just pedals off into the night <laughs> max then comes back helps him up and tells him um tells him to 
to crack him in the face the next time. Colden slaps Max across the face and runs away. Max is now right behind him as he's trying to get up to his fire or his treehouse. Max then starts the iconic from Friday the 13th, which I appreciated. Max is now face to face with Cole. And he tells Cole um, he wouldn't want him to die with egg on his face. So uh, Max wipes the egg off, takes a step. The floor breaks. Max tries to hold on to the rope that's hanging, misses, and gets tangled up. And basically hangs himself. We then see B is now shooting at Cole from the house with a shotgun. Cole then dodges another bullet, runs across the street, and into Melanie's house. He then starts explaining to her what's going on, and Melanie says, So B is bad? To which Cole says, Yeah, B is bad. Um, I also just noticed, guys, that I didn't tell you who wrote and directed this film or how long it was, but um, yeah, I'll do that later. (laughs) They then both spot a figure coming to the door. And they run to hide. Cole then asks if the front door automatically locks. But then we hear a clicking sound and the door is indeed not automatically locked. Um, And Melanie is by herself, by the way. I think she said her dad was out with a prostitute. Um, So um, we then see B is slowly walking around looking for two miners with a loaded shotgun. You know, because that's normal. The two then run past the open door and into a bathroom and start having a conversation. Um, Cole then tells Melanie to call the cops and tell them it's a 1053. And we find out that Cole is... We find out why Cole knows all the cop codes because he wanted to be a cop when he grew up. Love that. Melanie then plants a kiss on him and he has a little PTSD moment. Because the last guy he saw get kissed got stabbed in the head with two knives. Um, To which Melanie says, just because she's a psychopath doesn't mean all women are evil, which I thought was cute. I love Melanie. She's so... I want to see what she looks like now. She's probably so pretty. Um, Cole then has a cute moment with Melanie, then runs out and tells her he's putting an end to all of this. We then have Cole get a little, I know what you did last summer, yelling at the top of his lungs. I'm right here, B. Come and get me. Cole is now inside his house, and we see that everything exactly the way it was before B had her seance. Um, he then finds Allison chilling in a chair, obviously bled out at this point because she's dead. He then goes into the kitchen, and we see the devil book and the two chalices are on the kitchen island. But before he can do anything, a hand reaches out and grabs him, and it's Allison who's clearly not dead. Um, she's now on top of him, but he defends himself by punching her in the boobs, to which Allison calls him a pervert. Um, they then have this really random heart to art. We find out that Allison was only doing this to get her dream job as a journalist while also complaining about her deflated boob. Um, and Cole's just like, well, you can still do it. You're really super hot. Allison then snaps out of it and says, like, what do you think this is for real? And then lunges at him. Cole is looking for the butcher knife um, he was using earlier, to which the dad put into the dishwasher, if you guys remember that from earlier. We then get a really funny cut shot of his parents at the hotel, and the mom is, like, jerking off the dad under the covers, and she's asking him about if he put the, the butcher knife into the um, dishwasher, to which the dad says yes, and she goes, it belongs in the butcher block. <laughs> and meanwhile, she's literally jerking him off under the covers, and they're just having this conversation like nothing is going on. Um, so then we cut back to the scene to Cole and Allison, and Allison's actually holding the knife now. 
Colton grabs a lighter to defend himself. Um, but it's like one of those like longer lighters that like your mom uses to like, like candles. <laughs> um, so he has a lighter and, um, Allison's basically like about to stab him to death. Her head explodes from the shotgun that's held by B behind him. Colton wipes blood off his face while B says, um, she was so annoying. Colton grabs the devil book and his lighter and yells, I will burn your book. Um, they then have a little like back and forth. The call Cole basically says like, fuck you. And then, um, he compares her to Don Draper of Mad Men because he's all cool and everyone loves him. But then you find out he has a wife the whole time and that he's actually a piece of shit. And I would have to second that opinion. Um, because obviously everybody thinks that B is really cool and pretty, but then you actually find out that she's a devil worshiper, (laughs) um, and is actually a piece of shit. Um, Cole is then pressing B as to why she is doing all of this. She basically explains the gist of the whole thing. You mix the blood of the innocent, a.k.a. his blood, with the blood of someone sacrificed, a.k.a. sacrificial Sam. You recite the verses while dripping it on the page, and you can basically get whatever it is that you want. Cole then realizes that he wasn't the first kid she's she's done this with and that she will probably do it again. But B is trying to reason with him and says that the others, like basically saying like, oh, like if we band together, we can say that the others attacked us. Um, He then lowers the book and and just as we think that he's going to buy her story, he lights the book on fire and throws it and runs out of the house. B then freaks out and tries to put out the burning book. We then get a really badass slow-mo of Cole running down the street Um, with We Are the Champions by Queen playing in the background and flashes of him being scared and being called a pussy just come flashing back. Um, He then jumps into Natalie's dad's, you know, sports car, his his high school dream car, drives a car uh, down the street and into the house impaling B. So, like, basically half her body is underneath the car. Cole slowly gets out of the car and we see that he pretty much hit B perfectly. So just as B is about to die, she asks him what his intergalactic dream team would be, and he lists them for her. Um, he then gets to, he lists a couple of them, and then he then picks Cole and B as the last members. B then tells Cole that she was actually the big bad the whole time. Cole then says that even though he loved her, he still did the right thing and drove a car through her. Um, So then she kind of puts up her finger like the E.T. thing that they do. And then he doesn't really say anything. He doesn't put his finger back up to hers and he just says goodbye and then he leaves. Um, We then see the cops and firefighters at the house and Melanie's dad yelling at the cops um, because obviously he stole his car. Um, And then we... Even Jeremy and his gang are there, too. The minions are actually rooting for Cole now because he stole a car and killed, like, 50 people. Um, We then see Cole's parents have made it home, and they run over Jeremy's bike. His parents then run over to him, asking him what happened, to which he responds, I don't need a babysitter anymore, and then the credits roll. Um, We did actually get a little bonus scene at the end. If you go past the the credits um, of the firefighter who's going into the house and going into the wreck, we see that B is alive and she's actually behind him now. Um, And she like has like a pickaxe and is just like, Um, okay guys. So that was the whole movie. Um, as I said, I really did enjoy this movie. It's just like, it reminds me a lot of Zombieland. It reminds me a lot of, um, what did I say earlier? Um, oh, Happy Death Day. Just like funny humor mixed with horror. (laughs) Um, 
So I do have a couple things that I want to discuss, but first I want to talk about Cole because I love Cole. Um, He's a little badass in this movie. I love how we definitely saw the transition of him from being like this scared little 12-year-old pussy to being this like super adult mature guy who decided to, you know, save the worlds from B. Um, Well, I mean, she's still alive, obviously, but at least he... He's still alive, and if he sees anything happen, he can definitely go out there and track her down and, like, you know, hit her hit her with a car again. <laughs> um, I also really liked um, the, the gang of teenagers, so, like, the like the jock and the cheerleader the cheerleader is actually played by bella thorne i'm not a huge fan of bella thorne um but i did like her in this movie um we also john was actually played by a youtuber i believe um let me actually look it up so i don't look like an asshole (laughs) or sound like an asshole i'm actually gonna um talk about the director too so we're just gonna do all this in real time so i hope you guys are okay with that Um, so we're going to see if they're, and you know what? It also kind of reminded me of actually somebody, um, somebody said this, they tweeted me about this movie because I know a lot of you guys are super excited about this movie. Um, somebody said it's like a mix of, um, Chris Peckover's Christmas horror movie. Um, I'm being put on the spot, so I can't remember it right now. Um... His movie was Better Watch Out. That was the name of the film, which I love that movie. So, yeah, these those kind of reminds me of this a little bit. So, um, Judah Law actually plays Cole in this movie, who was actually in The Christmas Chronicles, and he was in Summer of 84, which I know a lot of people loved um, that, and I know a lot of people suggested that I watch that. I have not watched it yet. Um, so, we also have... Um, okay, so this movie was, oh geez, was directed by Mick G, and it was written by Brian Dun- Duffield. So Mick G, um, oh, he also, dir- or he produced The Duff, which uh, was a pretty funny movie, and he also worked on Charlie's Angels. Um, and then we have the actress who played B. Uh, her name was Samara Weaving. She was in Mystery Road, Mayhem, Three Billiards, Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, so, yeah, but she's forever B in my book. <laughs> um, so, yes, uh, kudos to all of them. They did a great job. Um, so, yes, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I enjoyed all of the characters. I think everything um, was there comically um horror was there we definitely had a lot of gore um we had the gore when um she stabbed sam in the head um when uh allison got shot in the boob and then when her head explodes (laughs) when b um shoots her in the head with the shotgun um there's just a there's definitely a lot of parts of this movie we're just like oh 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 shit and then like somebody says something really funny and then it's just hilarious um but it definitely reminded me a little bit like i said earlier of Zombieland. um just with the uh like the screen captions that come the i don't know the i don't know the film technical version of the word but um like when the film when the when the film pauses and then it's like words come up on the screen um i thought that was great i loved that 
so, okay, so I want to talk about B because I love B in this movie. I love the way that she's portrayed, but I just have questions. I wish that there was a little bit more character development on B because obviously she's still alive at the end. Um, the only really, there's like a couple different things that we learn about her, but for the most part, we don't really know where she came from. Um, you know, we don't know anything about her. So I have a couple theories. Well, like one theory. <laughs> um, so my theory is that B is actually a witch from like the Salem witch trials or from like, you know, a few hundred years ago. So even before maybe the Salem witch trials, I believe that she was in like a witch cult, um, that worshiped the devil and she's been doing this for like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years because there's one part at the end, we get her little like monologue and she says, you know, I was scared and small before I did this and I'm confident and strong. So we can assume that whatever she wished for when she first did this was probably to be, you know, confident, strong, and probably to live forever. Um, so I would assume that she's been doing this for centuries. And she's going to continue to do it for centuries. Now, I'm not really sure why she would need the other people to do it with her. Like like Max and Allison. Um, but then again, if she is working with the devil, the devil obviously wants your soul. So maybe the um, people that do this with her she gives their soul to the devil as like a payment or like a commission or something as for her to like keep living and keep, you know, being beautiful. <laughs> um, so that's, that's what I think she is. I think that I wish it, like I said, I wish there was a little bit more backstory on her, even if it was just like a little bit of a flashback. Um, cause that would have been really cool too. Um, or, I don't know, maybe she was a part of, like, a devil's cult or something. But it seems like she's very skilled in all of this. And she's very confident in all of, on how to do this. So, which is why I said you have to assume that she's been doing this for hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, but, yes, this is one of my favorite Netflix original films. I thought it was so good. And I would definitely watch it. I definitely suggest it to a lot of people. If you have not seen the film, I would definitely go check it out. If you have, go go watch it again. Um, I always feel that when I listen to podcasts about horror movies every time I watch them, uh, or every time I listen to them, I immediately, like, listen to it. And then I go watch the horror movie, even if I've seen it already. Which is most of the time because obviously I don't really, most of the time I'm not listening to podcasts on movies I haven't seen just because I do want to know what happens and I don't really want anything spoiled. But at the same time, it's okay to have a little bit of a spoiler here and there. I know a lot of people who listen don't like spoilers at all, but that's why there's a spoiler in the beginning. So yeah, I really wish that there was a little bit more development on B. Um, just, you know, where she came from, how old she was, why she did this, like what made her want to do this? <laughs> um, like what made her want to trade her whole life for the devil? I mean, live your life, girl, do what you want to do. But, um, so yes, I really did enjoy this movie. I love Cole. I thought he was great. I loved his storyline. I love the fact that he, his parent, the, sorry, excuse me. His parents are also great too. Also reminded me of the parents that are from Better Watch Out. Like just the whole thing. I mean, other than the fact that Better Watch Out is like the kids killing the babysitter, not the babysitter killing the kid, but you know, same kind of funny thing going on 
there's also Home Alone references in both movies. Um, so I feel like Better Watch Out is like your Christmas horror, and then um, The Babysitter can be like your summer horror, <laughs> comic relief-wise. So uh, I think that's going to be it for this episode of Horror Nights in Podcast. If you guys have not checked out this movie, you definitely, definitely go check it out and go watch it again. Uh, it is still on Netflix. I don't know how long it'll be on there, but definitely go check it out. So there you have it, my honest and horrific opinion on The Babysitter. Did you guys like it? Did you hate it? What's your honest or horrific opinion on The Babysitter? Let me know. Tweet me. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Four Nights in Podcast with me, Crystal. Please remember to follow my podcast on whatever app you use. And as I said three times or in this podcast, go rate Horror Nights in Podcast on iTunes. Leave me a review if you enjoyed my show. I'd greatly appreciate it. And I'm going to chat with you guys next week for another episode of Horror Nights in Podcast. All right. Bye, guys. Um... Have a good week. Children of all ages, you are about to enter a world of darkness. A world where life and death are meaningless and pain is God. What? Oh, just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh Uh-huh. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh...